You're listening to the Wordslinger Podcast, episode 142, Author Anywhere with Michael Laron. This episode of the Wordslinger Podcast is brought to you by draft to digital Convert your manuscript, distribute it online, and get support the whole way at DraftToDigital.com. It's the Wordslinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand, write your book, redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Hey, everybody, this is Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger, doing whatever a Word Slinger does. <laughs> so, um, thanks for tuning in again uh, for another week. I I uh, I wanted to tell you real quick. I I got a lot of feedback from the uh, the Steve Barry interview I did last week. Um, I uh, if you haven't heard if you hadn't heard that, definitely go back check that out. It's episode one forty one, of course. And um, Steve Barry is a uh, pretty popular, pretty famous uh, thriller author, and uh, a lot of people were were very stoked to hear that interview. Um, a lot of feedback on that. So, um, and I enjoyed it, man. I, I love having guys like that on the show. Uh, big name authors are fun. Um, and I'm, I've got some more lined up, <laughs> some that you're going to find, uh, kind of surprising. So stick around, <clears throat> make sure that you are, uh, following the podcast. If you're not following it on uh, YouTube, by the way, hop on over to YouTube, go to go find Wordslinger podcast on YouTube and you'll be able to, uh, uh, subscribe and, uh, hit the little notification icon. You'll be able to uh, get an alert every time I post a new video. <clears throat> you're gonna you're gonna dig that. That's it's kind of it's it's a new dimension of the show, basically to to be able to see me and the guest uh, chatting, get a little bit of uh, insight uh, into our mannerisms, that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, now I am uh, we're gonna roll into this interview. I, I I think you're gonna enjoy this one. I I have talked about this before. On a previous episode, the whole idea of uh, writing anywhere using your your iPhone, uh, using mobile technology. Uh, Michael Laron was the guy who inspired me to uh, to do this, and I actually wrote a large chunk of my my latest book, uh, The Girl in the Mayan Tomb, using Scrivener on iPhone and the on-screen keyboard. And I never would have attempted that had it not been for uh, Michael Laron's influence. So. Thank you, Michael, if you're listening. Um, and uh, you're gonna want to hear this because there's a this is a this is a brand, not a brand new way, but this this is a, a really cool, really awesome way to start thinking about writing in your career. Uh, Michael does it out of necessity. I'm gonna let him explain it, but dude's busy. Dude's super hella busy. So you're you're gonna get to you're not gonna have any excuses for not writing. After you hear this episode, so <laughs> sit back, um, pop some corn, get, get yourself a drink, uh, relax a little. Uh, if you're driving, uh, that's going to be a little more dangerous. But uh, grab yourself a, a nice Red Bull or a latte or something. Uh, you know, get yourself going for the day and uh, stick around afterwards. We got some uh, industry news you're going to want to hear. Uh, some cool stuff, some interesting stuff. So uh, definitely stick around for that. And. Let's jump right in to this interview with my good friend, my, my buddy, Michael Laron. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, we get occasionally a, a repeat guest on this show. Uh, this guy was 
sort of way back in the beginning, man. Uh, episode 10, Fearless Fantasy with Michael Leron. Uh, that's, that's early days of Wordslinger right there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Glad to be back. <laughs> You're like a founding guest. So welcome back to the show. I have Michael Leron. He's the author of over 30 science fiction and fantasy books. Among other things, man, he's doing uh, some cool work out there in the indie publishing world, too. Uh, you've done some uh, some very informative and very cool stuff, man. So uh, on behalf of the indie community, I want to thank you for that, too. So thank oh, you. I appreciate it. Just got to keep your head down and keep on going, you know? That's what it is, man. Too much. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Because once you if, you, if you stop for a second and look around at the rubble around you, uh, it starts to become discouraging. <laughs> <laughs> True words, never spoken. <laughs> so, um, this is a I, I, honestly, I don't not not to uh, not to diss any of my other guests, but I have looked forward to this particular interview more than almost any other interview uh, for the past. I don't know. It's been I think nearly a month now. Yeah, it's been about a month. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so here's the setup. I'm gonna give the setup. I went on, uh, so I was traveling for uh, conferences for Draft Digital. I was at, uh, I think I was at Indie Book Fest when I reached out, or I may have been in, uh, actually I may have been in uh, at Comic-Con in uh, Salt Lake City. I think that's where I was. I was on the Writing Excuses podcast. Um, I reached out because uh, I wanted to get the, an idea of how other people were using um, like their iPads and iPhones as part of their, part of their mobile workflow. Uh, I was really aiming for folks to tell me like, I use this app and this keyboard and I use, you know, uh, whatever to keep things going. And my boy, Michael here pops in and says, well, I write all my books on my iPhone using the on-screen keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I knew after I recovered, uh, picked my job off the floor. I thought, man, this is something I gotta, I gotta, first I asked a ton of questions. And then I start kind of experimenting, man. Um, I can tell you, I've been doing this now. I've been using my phone a lot more. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, this this is something very incredible to me. I wanted to get your take on it and get, kind of get your workflow, uh, what you're doing, man. So why don't you tell me a little about, well, first of all, why did you start doing this? Yeah, well, my life is is super hectic um, right. compared to a lot of people. So I work... Um, eight to nine hours a day for a fortune 100 company as a manager that many people would recognize. Um, okay. So my day to day is super hectic. I have no time almost throughout the day to write. Um, right. And I've got a three-year-old yeah. and so she's crazy. She keeps me pretty busy and right. we have a lot of activities and things that we have to take her to. Um, I'm also in law school. So this is my first semester. So it's, it's kind of hectic there too. So all right, I take it back. I'm not busy in comparison to Michael. <laughs> Ryan, I, my I've days kind of, are I've come to the realization funny. that I'm just a little busier than I was in the past, <laughs> um, but I'm never at my desk. Like right. I'm just never at my computer. I wake up at you know five o'clock in the morning and you know, I'll try to get some words in then. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that and, and writing after my daughter goes to sleep, you know, I, I have energy in the morning, but I have no energy at night when I'm about to go to sleep. And so I realized if I'm going to improve my word count, my life's probably only going to get busier. I have to figure this out. I cannot just let my writing fall by the wayside. And so I was looking at a lot of different things. I looked at dictation that worked for me for a little while. And then right around that point, I found uh, Ulysses, which is a 
wonderful app that's available for the iPhone and um, iOS. And I started using that. And then Scrivener for iOS came out. And I switched to that and I've been using it ever since. And so for me, it was more of necessity. So I'm never at my desk. So I just had to find a way to write while I was on the go. And as I started doing that, I realized I'm actually writing more than I ever was before because I'm squeezing in, you know, two, 300 words here and there when I have five, 10 minutes, um, it just adds up. And this is my most productive year that I've ever had in my writing business since that's, I started writing on my phone. That's incredible. Um, I, in the past month I've been experimenting, um, didn't ask you for like technique or anything, which I should have, but, uh, cause it, well, actually I did, I kind of followed up. Like, are you, you know, using a special digital keyboard? You're just using the same, the setup that comes with your iPhone, right? Yes. I use the on-screen, um, yeah. keyboard on the phone. I just thumb, I thumb everything into my phone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I didn't think it could be done. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I really thought he's got to be putting me on, right? I experimented. I went, so at these conferences, I had kind of a layover. Uh, I had a day or so in there. I was at Disney Springs. Draft the Digital is about to release. Um, I believe it was our announcement for Refer a Friend. Okay. Okay. Uh, which I could go off on a tangent on, but I'm not. Uh, but we were doing this release. I still needed to write a blog post, a press release, um, I needed to update. I know I wrote an email and, uh, and committed the edits to it. I, I scheduled the campaign. I had to do all that stuff. Um, I decided rather than lugging my laptop around with me at Disney Springs, I would just find a comfortable place to sit and try out Michael Ron's uh, technique and hop on my phone and see what I see what I could accomplish. Because I could I always I could always go back to the hotel and knock out whatever I needed to knock out. So I spent, uh, I think, maybe two hours sitting in a very comfortable place, uh, not worried about battery power, not worried about, <laughs> you know, I didn't have to find a Wi-Fi hotspot. I didn't have to do any of the things I would have had to have done with the, uh, the MacBook uh, Air, uh, light as it is. It was able to knock all that out, right? So that, that was my proof of concept. And then I, I blew it up, dude. I, I'm like... I'm in line. I, I go to Disney World for one, one day. I had a, a Disney World day. I'm standing in line at the, uh, the Avatar, uh, the new Avatar ride at uh, Animal Kingdom is Flight yeah. of Passage. I'm there for like two and a half hours in line, right? Worth every minute, okay? Decide, all right, I got to try the fiction. I wrote a short story while in line, took it into Draft Digital's EPUB uh, templates, right? Took, took, built a cover in Canva. I mean, I did the whole thing right up to the point where I could have put, hit publish. And I'm like, this is the new way I do things. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that, it's amazing how much you can get done, right? I mean, right. Even, even if you're working on your novel, just chipping away at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's incredible to think what you could get done in two hours. I, it's, it is. It is. I, 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 it, what gets me is how excited I get about it because now – um, I am working on the, the, the latest book is, is still in progress. So I start, I started jumping into Scrivener mobile, by the way, I didn't particularly like the iOS version of Scrivener at first. Um, it took a little getting used to, I think, but now I'm like, I only want to write in this. And, uh, I, even if I'm writing on a keyboard, I'm going to use my iPad for that. Right. But I, 
I hop in and do my thing. Um, I'm, I'm like you said, I'm getting more words on the page each day. Uh, it's incredible. I, I just take a break and from whatever else I might be done. I mean, I have a regular writing schedule anyway, right? I'll take a break uh, from doing something for a draft digital or, you know, doing something else entirely. I'm standing in line at the grocery store. I'm in the bathroom. I'm whatever, right? I'm knocking out words. This has just been uh, it's revolutionary. But the thing that's blowing my mind, man, is, and I know I'm take, I've taken over your interview. I'm going to get back to you. I'm, I promise. <laughs> I promise. This is, this is how you know I'm excited about something because I take over the interview. Um, I was able to, so where was I going with that? I actually um, am able to change headspaces a lot quicker by uh, getting away from the laptop. So, you know, I do my work on the laptop fine. I love, I love the environment, but I get distracted easy. With the phone, I'm focused on the smaller screen. I'm on a different writing environment. It's very freeing. So is that, uh, have you had that kind of, I don't want to lead the witness here, but, you know, in, in, yeah. to use no, the parlance of your future career. But, uh, yeah, tell me, tell me about your experience now. I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I echo all the things that you just said, and I will say this. Um, my wife likes to shop. Yeah. I, like most husbands, hate shopping. I hate it with passion. Right, right, that's, why, right. that's why I have an Amazon account. I just buy it and it shows up at my door. But my <laughs> wife likes to go through the, the clearance rack and all that stuff. And so um, just the other day, we were at a department store. And yeah. uh, her and my daughter were, were just going through the, through the aisles and checking everything because they had a huge doorbuster sale. And I thought, I just do not want to look at any more shirts. So right. Right. I found a couch. I sat down and I wrote like three chapters toward my next novel and right. I didn't have to think about it, you know, and I have a battery case on my phone, so I don't have to worry about power. Um, right. and I just went away at it. Yeah. I find that when you talk about head spaces, it is very easy. It takes some getting used to, yeah. I will admit, but one, it, it's almost like when you switch apps on your phone, like yeah. you go from a phone call to a text message, to YouTube, to Chrome, and you don't think anything about it on your phone, right? right? right. You're switching apps. It's the same thing. Um, if you know exactly where you left off in your story, I find that it's just really easy to just to pop right back in and just start. Um, even if it's a sentence or two, right, like all, right. All, all that adds up. So I talked about this being my most productive year. Mm -hmm. I'm at 11 books this year. And very it's, nice. it's very, very uh, nice. middle of October. You yeah. know, I'm yeah. at 11 books and I would say probably 80 to 90% of all the words I've written were on my phone. That's just, because uh, I was writing in the cracks of life. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's outstanding. I mean, are you still using a laptop at all for your writing or? Yeah, I use it in the mornings usually okay. when I'm, um, when I have some time to, to go through it. And every once in a while I'll go to the coffee shop if I'm, you know, if I have some time, but yeah. I kind of find that I don't like to write on my laptop anymore. Like, yeah, I, like I know, I know I can get more words by yeah. doing it, but I just, I just, it's just easier to sit in a chair and write on my phone. I know it sounds you, you might be able to get more words um, in a session, yeah. right? But I mean, overall, you're you're getting more words. Uh, you're getting more words throughout the day because of the mobile writing. And if and if you do nothing else, if you if you're one of those people that's listening to this and you're like, I could never do that. Uh, my hands would cramp up. You know, I, my hands feel fine. I've never had any issues. I have a big phone and I have fairly big hands, but um, you know, my hands don't hurt after extended sessions or anything like that. And right. um, I've never had any major issues. And um, another thing that people have often asked me is, well, you know, my phone can't, I can't trust my phone to spell the word 
word right. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> Did I lose you? I had the same editor who's worked on many of my books for the majority of my career. She, um, you know, edited my last series. So I wrote the series on my phone for the most part. And I sent it to her and I didn't say anything. I just, I just wanted to see what she would say. I wanted to see if she would catch more errors than right. she really did, right? And so she came back and said, hey, this was great. I love the story. Um, you know, your manuscript was clean as usual. So right, right. from a productivity, spelling error standpoint, you know, I, I proof all my stuff before I send it to my editor, but I do most of my novels in one draft. Um, right. My editor didn't even know the difference. So <laughs> th- that's when I knew. I was like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I'm finding... Well, the proof will be when I send it to my street team for editing, but I'm finding personally that I'm spotting errors a lot quicker, a lot easier yeah. um, on the phone. And, I, and I'm not entirely certain why. Well, I think because if autocorrect jerks me around, I go back and I do Dean, Le- Dean Wesley Smith's method of uh, cycling. Yeah, writing into the dark. Yeah, that's I what do I do more. Yeah. And by the way, you're the one who told me about that book in the first place. So thank you for that. And I had him on the show. I think I even told him Michael LeBron recommended your book. Um, and then I spent two years not reading it. But uh, I, um, I don't do 500 words at a time. I do more like, uh, you know, maybe 1500 words at a time. Uh, you know, I'll do a cycle like that. But the method works great for me. What I'm finding is uh, as I'm going back, the stuff that I'm correcting is the little glitches that autocorrect maybe uh, dropped in there. And they're very rare. Like it's not like a ton of editing, honestly. Um, and I don't know if it's because I'm slowing, I've slowed down somewhat in word count. Although when I really push myself, man, I can do quite a few words. I mean, I've, that, that short story was like 10,000 words in, in two nice. and a half hours. I mean, that's, that was a lot of, you know, and I didn't, I thought, man, when I finish. My thumbs are going to just feel like <laughs> they're about to fall off. But I didn't. I didn't. I mean, uh, maybe it's because I already spent so much time, you know, doing that on the phone. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I And I, one of the things, so you and I have been doing this for a while, right. right? And you and I are professionals and we really have focused on our productivity. Um, mm-hmm. When we first met, I think I had like one book, right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and now look at both of us in our careers. And it's awesome. And I think that the reason that both of us are able to be at the level we're at right now is because we are doing that writing into the dark, right? Right, right. Working on that first draft. If you are somebody that loves to edit and write your book in multiple drafts, nothing wrong with that, right? This might be a little bit harder because, because of, because of that having to go back through the novel. But for me, when I know I type the end, I know it's the end and I can just move on to the next thing. Right. which is nice. And, you know, I still get everything edited. So the readers don't know the difference and that's, that's nice. And so it means more product for me, more books for my readers. And right. it's a good thing. So I think anything you can do to, to find a way to get more words out of your day without sacrificing a whole lot of time, because I think a lot of people listening to this are probably working professionals, just like right. we are. Mm-hmm. Writing's probably not your full-time gig. It probably is an aspiration. And, you know, you have to kind of think about things, differently. And, and maybe the way that you've always done things isn't the way that you continue to do them if you want to improve your productivity. 
And that's the challenge I give people is, you know, people thought people said a long time ago, I could never take my laptop to a coffee shop or I'd never want to. Yeah. people That's true. I just wanted to use a typewriter, you know? And, and so now we have all these different tools available to us. And, and while they're, they're different and um, a little challenging and maybe they have a learning curve, um, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a brand new path. I mean, this is, this is unknown territory, uncharted territory, right? Right. Right. right, Yeah, no, it is. And I, and certainly I'm no stranger to ridiculous challenges uh, that change the way I, I see my career or change the way I do things. I mean, that was like, I've done, I've done the, uh, I'm going to write a 60,000 word novel in one day. You know, I've, I've done the like stupid challenges. Right. Um, and to some extent, what that did was reset zero for me, like it re- or reset my baseline, basically. Uh, so those things have been very beneficial to me, which is, I think, probably one of the reasons why this was appealing. Uh, as soon as you, it, I mean, almost the instant I read on screen, because at first you said, I write all my books on my iPhone. I'm like, okay, you've got like a Zag keyboard or, you know, I've, I've got a, like a portable folding zag keyboard is such a pain to carry that with me though you know i wish there was just some other way and you're like no i use my thumbs <laughs> and i write my books and like, holy crap that is a brilliant brilliant idea that i have to now completely steal and claim as my own um and i have yours i talk about this continuously now okay here's why i'm ex- here's another reason why i'm excited about this um we there are other players in our space uh joanna penn for example I've actually uh, been to one of her talks where she was talking about emerging markets. Um, I think I've mentally connected something she said with something I've read in another book like bold or something. Um, But she was talking about how um, someone was talking about how uh, we have emerging markets in places like uh, let's just say Africa. Um, And in these markets, they completely skipped the computer revolution, right? They went straight from sticks and stones to mobile technology, basically. Um, for the first time in the history of those, of those regions, they're on the same stage we are, okay? So they're able to, you know, they can start small businesses through like microfinancing. Um, uh, they can uh, run a completely inventory-free business on their phones, uh, check in on, you know, they can buy and trade stock. They can, uh, you know, now they have uh, disposable income. So the focus of Joanna's talk, of course, was, you know, this is a pocket of readers out there who are primarily going to be able to read English because that's how you get access to the wealth of knowledge that's on the Internet. Um, so you could market to them. I like that idea, but now I'm thinking – we could also empower those people and they could become authors themselves. Um, that's my whole little experiment at Disney world was, was kind of a proof of concept of this idea. I'm going to write something or create some content around this buddy. And uh, I'm probably going to quote you liberally. So watch what you say. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> no, and, and I, I've heard Joanna say something similar to that in another yeah. talk. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I think that we have, we have to, get comfortable with the fact that the landscape is going to continue to change. Right. right? Right. We talk about how there's so many authors out there now than there was before. Right. You talk about the changes you're talking about, it's going to get even worse. Right. And so there are going to be authors out there. If you don't learn how to improve your productivity and and be able to take a workman like uh, approach to your writing, people are just going to pass you by. Right. Right. Got to adapt. That is, um, 
at its soul, I think is the, is the main message, right? Uh, I think you've hit on it. The idea is um, there is a complaint, particularly from a certain segment of the, the publishing industry that, you know, the market's being flooded with, they'll say terrible books. They, they say indie authors. What they mean is crap books, right? Um, I think the well, what they really mean are, are books that aren't published by right by traditional them. publishers. <laughs> right. That's really uh, what they're saying. But, anyway, but I, I cool. think what's going to happen is, but with this fl- this influx of people uh, coming into the business, is we have to, like you said, we got to up our game, right? We have to get better at efficiency, quality plus efficiency. Right. It's not just about speed. It's about producing a good product that people actually want. So if you're producing a good enough product right now, that's that's in most cases, that's fine. But as time progresses, we're going to have to learn how to use these tools to produce high quality product. And, and in our case, that's the books and stories that we tell. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years, man, as, as oh, the technology opens up all new pockets. <laughs> And, and, and my impassioned plea to anyone listening to this who's maybe still on the fence about whether you should use your phone to write or I, I don't think I can do it, just try it. Yeah, you got nothing to lose. The right. Scrivener app, I mean, assuming you have an iPhone, if you don't have an iPhone, I'm kind of sorry right now. is <laughs> <laughs> a solution for you, not that I know of, but um, you have nothing to lose. It, it'd be the best $20 you ever spent. Yeah, I don't even you know, think and, Ulysses is available on Android, is it? No, I don't think so. Right. Um, I think you and I had a similar experience with Ulysses in that, um, we both kind of fell in love with it and then, uh, it didn't, it didn't betray us. But when Scrivener came around, I I had less reason to be enamored of Ulysses. And then when Ulysses decided to shift to a subscription model, I had even less reason to be (laughs) enamored. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way you did. I, I love Ulysses. I think it's a great app and and I, I, there's some things that Ulysses does way better than Scrivener. Right. Um, I love the idea of having a one single library in your, you know, where you can access all of your writing at once. Right. Um, but the problem I had with Ulysses and I found ways around it, but it just, I could never get over that hump was the formatting. Right. You know? So with Scrivener, I just know that I can click the button and it'll export it into a, you know, EPUB or Mobi. And now I know I can export it to word and import it into right. vellum. And it's right. just, or draft to digital. Draft to digital. Yeah, draft to digital. Can't forget them. It doesn't even require a Mac. Uh, (laughs) You can do it on your phone. Just throwing it out there. Um, If we're talking mobile tech, man, we got to, you know, Tools. Yeah, we get complete solutions that are that are completely uh, dependent independent from uh, your desktop platforms, you know. Um, And I love Vellum too, by the way. And I'm I know I kind of give them a hard time because we did create something that's that's essentially Vellum for free. but before we did that, I paid the full 200 bucks to upgrade to the print, you know, vellum for print and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> That's when I jumped on board is when they yeah. had uh, vellum 2.0, that, yeah. that, that revolutionized things for me. It just saved me so much time. Yeah. 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 I know. Yeah. Now that, now that we offer print and, and EPUB templates and all that stuff, I, you know, I kind of push us, but I still get, I get why people love vellum. I do. Um, Anyway, so now I'm, what I'm fascinated by is the growth of this. I, I, I'm fascinated to see where it goes, uh, what new trends could come of it. I, I just, you know, to me, one of the things I'm trying to, to, to do is reach the Wattpad crowd that's 
they're, they're already, these are mostly kids, right? They're already writing on mobile platforms. They're already used to publishing digitally. Um, so now I want to teach them how to make money doing it. You know, like if you can yeah. do the exact same thing you're doing, uh, you can even continue to publish on Wattpad. I believe Wattpad even has a way to export as a Word document. I'm if not I, sure. I'll have to it check. Surprise me. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. Now that's a that's a solution right there. Now that's a that's a crowdsourcing way to uh, to produce your book. Uh, worked for Andy Weir and uh, Hugh Howe and a few other folks. So maybe something to consider there. But I'm trying to get to that crowd and say. You're already on your phone. You're already doing it. Let's take it just one step further. <laughs> Heck, maybe they can teach us a thing or two. <clears throat> they probably can. The success they're having. I mean, I, right. I, it's crazy. Some of the, the Wattpad authors that are coming up now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, shifting gears just a little because I, I wanted to hit up on this. Cause you, so you're doing some work with Ally. Do you want to talk a little about that? Or can you talk about that? I can and I will. Okay. All right, good. Let's do so that. So I, I am a U.S. ambassador slash liaison with the Alliance of Independent Authors. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Alliance, they are a nonprofit that has a goal of improving the status and, and well-being of indie authors all over the world out there in publishing. Um, doesn't matter how you publish or who you publish, they, they provide great resources and tips and strategies and techniques for authors. Whoever you are, whether you're traditional or independent, their bend is independent, but they provide great resources. And um, uh, Orna approached me to join the Ally crew as a member of their, their podcast network. So I co-host with J.R. Talley, the beginner self-publishing salon where we broadcast monthly and we talk about tips and strategies uh, for beginning authors. So if you're an aspiring author, if you're a beginning author, you just want to jump into it. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about writing, we talk about editing, marketing, and we just give our perspective. So I'm a, I'm a heavy fiction writer. Jay is a memoir writer and she's got a lot of internet entrepreneurial experience. And so we, we make a really good team. And so we broadcast the third Tuesday of every month and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, wherever you uh, like to consume your content. So we've been doing that here for about the past four months and we're one of four, um, well, one of three shows on the podcast network. So every, um, every week you're getting something different. So um, Orna and Joanna Penn have the advanced self-publishing uh, mm -hmm. salon. So if you want some more advanced tips, they broadcast the week after us. And then David Penny and Debbie Young also do a Q&A. So members of Ally ask questions. If you want to know anything that's on your mind, if you're a member of Ally, they answer those in the effort of answering one question for you know, the hundreds of thousands of people. Right, right, right. So, I, I, I love, I love Orna, by the way, and I've met her a couple of times now at uh, conferences and, you know, we sponsor stuff for, for Ally quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to try not to be offended that she's never approached me about doing any podcasting for Ally, but. Uh, yeah, well, they, they wanted to, <laughs> Ally wanted to improve the, the, the the makeup right. of, of the panel, right? So um, that it's not just a British organization. Right. You know? right. So finding someone in the States and um, who can represent indie authors and um, help help with boots on the ground and uh, the different initiatives that they're doing. Because they've, they've got a lot of things going on. There's always an initiative and they're yeah, always um, running really fast with a lot of really good stuff. And so I'm, I'm honored to be a part of the crew and um, it's been really fun so far. And I've learned a lot just yeah. sitting in and um, watching what they do. It's, it's amazing all the different stuff and, and resources that they have available. Yeah. So 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know they've been heavily involved with um, uh, a lot of the uh, author conferences in, in Europe, throughout Europe. Um, yeah. And they're trying to kind of increase the presence of, um, you know, industry representatives at these as well. Uh, and some of them have lost their appeal to the industry reps, honestly, <laughs> some of the conferences. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them regain that, you know, because uh, the, frankly, the problem is that there's a huge focus a lot of times on the traditional publishing crowd uh, and kind of a disrespect for the indie publisher. So Ally yeah. has been a, a huge influence in, uh, in swaying that. So uh, I'm glad to hear you're a part of it, man. They, they well, made a good it, choice. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad and honored, like I said, to be a part of it. And, you know, I think it, you listen to this podcast and, and all the other big players out there in the space and, and we're indie authors. So right. for us, it's kind of weird that there's still that disrespect and that, yeah. that awkward tone out there against indie authors. But the reality is that the prevailing opinion right now is still skewed against indie authors. And yeah. so um, whatever any of us can do to help reverse that trend and, and show everyone that in independent publishing is a viable way to create a career. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'd love to be a part of any organization that, that has that goal. Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I, I, it's interesting. And I've had my, I've had odd run-ins um, with, with in unexpected places. <laughs> I was at um, CIFWA, uh, the science fiction writers, I was yeah. at the Nebula Awards. I'm in line with a guy at, in the green room and we're putting fruit on a plate on our plates, you know? And he says, um, he says, so how many books do you have? And I said, well, I think I, I just passed like 40 books. It's like 40 books. He says, well, how many awards have you won? I think I've won around six. I said, the most recent one was the, uh, the, uh, shelf notable indie award He says, indie. And he looks at me and he says like indie publishing. I said, yeah. The dude turned his back on me and walked away from me. Yep. <laughs> so I'm and I'm like I'm I'm there as a industry guest, like I'm representing Draft Digital at this thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there is still a stigma. It's sad, but that's what you know. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, you know, and and the crazy part is those people that turn their backs and walk away, they're going to be the ones running toward us when they really realize the the power that indie authors are There's amassing. A shift. There's been a dramatic you know, shift in. Uh, in the industry, you know, we're, we're, it's a much more hybrid industry uh, now and getting more so over the, over the course of the, the uh, years, you know? So, yeah. And, and, and you and I both probably both had opinions against indie authors at one point. Right. I, I remember when I was just before um, uh, I was out of college, there was a indie author and this was back in the days when vanity publishing was King. I mean, the, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. print on demand publishing and none of that stuff was, was available. And right. Um, I just remember having a really horrible, awful experience with a self-published book. And right. I swore I would never be a self-publisher. Right. <laughs> Look right. at me now, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, you know, you're, you're right. When I first, when I first uh, self-published a book uh, after, after getting out of a traditional contract, like I, I put a book out there and did everything I could to make sure no one knew it was self-published because I just, I felt like that was going to ruin me. If someone found out that I published that book on my own dime, you know, they were going to call it a vanity press book and they were going to, it was a stigma that would sit with me forever. Now I'm like loud and proud brothers. I'm uh, it's all indie right now. All the time. Oh, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if people know I'm self-published and if they want to pick a fight, then, you know, let's, let's, let's I'm have there. a conversation. 
We're good. We're going to do it. Duke's up. <laughs> that's, that's a crazy thing is we, we all have to be ambassadors, you know, especially since I've joined the ally crew, I found myself um, in situations where I am having to have that conversation with people who don't understand right. Right. self-publishing and the value that it brings. And they still think that it, it just means a bunch of books in your garage, you know? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, exactly, man. I just went one, to a conference at a time. I was at a conference here in Houston uh, over the weekend uh, the majority of people I talk to, I, I'm talking, I'm talking about wide distribution. I'm talking about ebook conversion. I'm talking about all the things that we talk about on a regular basis. And I'm getting blank stares and crickets. Uh, cause they just did They're They're thinking I've got a table out in the lobby that has my, my printed books on it that I paid $3,000 for, <laughs> you know, I'm like, there is a better way. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've just kind of come to the conclusion, let them believe what they want to believe, you know? Right, right. The reality is our reality. Well, and that's right. And I, you like me, I think, uh, we, we both uh, subscribe to that, that concept of you can kind of craft your own reality and you can, uh, you can live the life that you want to live. So uh, you are certainly doing that, man. I, I, I don't think I knew about the law school thing. So what, what prompted that? Just... Just wanted to get a master's education, um, yes. and and having a legal understanding is is useful, especially yeah. as an author and authorpreneur. So yeah, it's I'll more related to kind of the field that I work in and in my everyday life, but um, it still has a lot of usefulness for me running my office. What's your uh, What's your focus? Uh, it's going to be risk management and compliance, which oh. is just a fancy way of saying insurance. So I don't want to put people to sleep. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, so, kind of fun. <laughs> Risk management and compliance sounds uh, much, you know, that's got a little, a little more of an espionage ring to it than, than other aspects of the law. I would have thought entertainment. I can't law. confirm or deny that. Why, why not IP law? I thought about IP law. I, I, yeah. The, fun, the nice part is you can take electives and right. take those electives. IP law, is, it, it's so complicated and yeah. I don't want to devote my time and resources to that. Right. I could really be focusing on being an author. So. Right. Ironically, it would be very helpful to have the IP law background, but it would take you away from actually being someone who creates IP. <laughs> uh, that's cool, man. All right. Well, we're coming up. I, I, this it's and this one saddens me, man. We're coming up on time. I don't want to want to suck up too much of your time. You're a very busy man. Um, I used to think I was a busy man. Now I know that I am. I'm barely scratching the Michael Leron uh, Dyson sphere. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I say, I used to say all the time, I'm not that busy. And my wife is like, no, you're, you're busy. And it's I like, know. okay, well, whatever. <laughs> point, I, I, I never, I never really thought of myself as all that busy, but then I've actually been approached for full on interviews to ask me how I do the things I do. And, uh, and that's when it starts to kind of hit home that you, you do a little more than most people. <laughs> yeah. You have to with this life, right? I mean, you got to, Right. That's the beauty of, of the, the path we've both chosen is that yeah. we control our destinies and we can work as hard and as long as we want to, to get there. And for me, it does, it's, it's not work. Right. Like, yeah, I have a nine to five and mm -hmm. I have other things that take me away from writing, but it's, I enjoy it. I enjoy being, being occupied. Yeah. And, and you're, you're a big, you know, you're a big part of the indie author community, a big supporter of the indie author community, uh, you're, you know, yeah. And you're one of my favorite people. I, I think I've told you that before. Uh, we don't talk as much as we used to, but we're out there. I watch you, brother. I, yeah, I'm watching you, I follow you on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. That's how anybody knows anybody anymore. 
All right. Uh, Okay, man. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Tell everybody where they can find you and your books and everything else, man. Yeah, well, you can find me and all of my books and all the other things that I'm up to at www.michaelaron.com. For those of you who are interested in science fiction, you can check out my space opera series, Galaxy Mavericks. That's uh, my latest series. If you're interested in fantasy, check out my uh, series, Modern Necromancy. That was a collaboration with my friend Justin Sloan. Uh, it's a fun tale about uh, the occult and a lot of adventure. And um, yeah, and if you're, you can find my links to all my podcasts and things like that on my website as well. So that's www.michaelaron.com. Justin Sloan, man. I just can't, I can't go, I can't get away from the guy. I can't get away from him. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. We did our interview the first time way back in episode 10. You two had just barely met because you both had uh, teddy bear based fantasy books. Yes, we did. <laughs> seems like so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> so long. I know, man. It seems like, I mean, that had to have been, let's see, that was back, that had to have been 2013. Uh, no, it was like 2015. 2015? Okay. Yeah, we just wrapped up the series earlier this year. So. Okay, all right. Yeah, hard to believe, but yeah. Fair enough, hard to believe, yeah. All right, okay, all right, everybody. Uh, Don't worry if you missed out on those uh, URLs. You'll be able to find that in the show notes. I've got that and more I think you're going to dig. And I would love, by the way, to hear what people think about this topic in particular. I'm just very excited about it. I'm going to create some content around this idea, so feel free to reach out. If you've got questions for me or for Michael, I'm happy to pass them on to him too. So uh, pop in over at wordslingerpodcast.com. I'll probably mention that in the uh, wrap-up. Right now, you're probably hearing some groovy bridge music. You may dance in place if you like, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Michael, thanks again, man. Thanks, man. It's been my pleasure. All right. That was the uh, the ever-elegant Michael Aron. Uh, <laughs> He's very he, he's very concise in the way he speaks, uh, and you would expect no less from somebody who is is uh, who is is as uh, active and involved in uh, you know things like pursuing a legal degree, man, pursuing his uh, getting you know becoming a lawyer. Come on, <laughs> why are you slapping me in the face, Michael, <laughs> with your efficiency and your uh, <laughs> and your personal growth? Um, Remarkable guy and uh, one of my favorite people. Um, and I hope you enjoyed that. Now we're gonna we're gonna move on from uh, that. I, I do want to say one more thing about the uh, the sort of mobile writing life. Uh, what's remarkable about this is, uh, and it always fascinates me. It, there are so many opportunities. There's so many things open to us now that we're just out of reach. Only a few years ago, but. Um, it's not just, you know, I mean, you can you can write your work for me anywhere. You can edit your work for me anywhere. There are no longer any barriers or excuses. I mean, you can literally write, um, edit, uh, prepare a cover, convert the book to an e-book, and distribute it to the uh, to everyone on the planet who's uh, who's willing to pick it up. Um, and and never, I mean, you just do it all from your phone. You don't need fancy equipment. Anyone. Can can get their hands on an on a uh, I was going to say iPhone, not necessarily an iPhone, but a smartphone or tablet, um, you know, for a relatively low investment, um, you know, e- even like these prepaid ones, get a prepaid uh, phone with a data prepaid data plan, and there you go. Um, There's so many of them out there, so it doesn't cost a lot of money to do this work. It doesn't cost a lot of money to. Uh, to get into this business. And so that makes it a, a remarkably accessible business, 
regardless of where you fall um, economically uh, in your, in, you know, anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, uh, as long as you have access to that tech, that minor technology at this point and the internet, uh, and most people do. Now, I, I granted there are those who don't, but that's becoming less and less of an issue as time goes by. You know, we've got these emerging markets, these, you know, uh, countries in Africa that never had a computer revolution or a desktop revolution are having a mobile revolution. And uh, they're, through tools like microfinancing and uh, uh, accessibility to information and, you know, uh, means of distribution and means of uh, banking online, I mean, suddenly, suddenly, <laughs> you've got this whole new emerging, not just market, but economy. And uh, being an author, uh, being a content producer of any kind, is is uh, remarkable because you can now it, you can create something that can directly impact your life and the lives of those you know who uh, consume that that material um, make your living for you do do you know help you step out and and become much more uh, than than you could have become otherwise um, no limits. So that's that's what's remarkable about this for me. That's 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 where this is exciting for me. Um, so I hope I hope you are I hope you enjoyed this interview. I hope you got something useful out of it. I'm sure you did. If you didn't, man, you're not even trying. <laughs> so now <clears throat> let's get into some industry news. Uh, I got some things here that you are you're gonna find fascinating. Um, <clears throat> first of all, is offset printing going to be a thing for indie authors? I think so. Um, and so does Joel Friedlander, writer Joel Friedlander. Uh, indies have risen to success thanks to a handful of technologies that make their work more accessible to readers. We were just talking about that. Uh, more from ebooks to publishing on demand. Now, writer Joel Friedlander thinks that the future for indies will include access to a technology that has traditionally been more, well, traditional. <laughs> Is offset printing the future for indie authors? Friedlander thinks so. The tech is becoming increasingly available and accessible, which means some adventurous indie publishers are already reaching out to use it. And uh, of course, um, it's it's now becoming a uh, it's becoming a much more accessible tool that uh, means that we're closing the gap that is the gap that would normally distinguish indies from traditional publishers. That's exciting stuff. Um, of course. Only about 99, well, let's see, more something more along the lines of 99% of people <laughs> are, are really completely unable to, uh, to actually distinguish between offset printing and laser printing, digital and laser printing, which is what we're more familiar with thanks to uh, publishing on demand. So unless you compare those side by side unless you have an eye for it unless you have worked in the industry uh i worked in the industry so you know i saw a lot of uh both offset and digital printing um it's uh it's kind of uh is it a moot point maybe i mean but the thing is now that we have access to it uh it won't necessarily change the game in that it will attract more readers but it does add a new layer of uh professionalism to the work that some claimed was missing. So now, if you still, if you uh, if you still aren't good at the craft, uh, you're basically just going to polish a turd here. But uh, that doesn't mean that you can't get better at craft and still have a very professional-looking piece of work 
Um, I'm excited about it, but I'm curious to hear what you think, so uh, be sure to reach out to me. Go to wordslingerpodcast.com and send me an email uh, with any comments about this. Uh, Or you can even leave comments on the post, the uh, show notes for this episode at wordslingerpodcast.com. This is, I have to check myself, it's episode 142 with Michael Laurent, so go Go check that out and leave me some comments on that story. <clears throat> you can find a link to that, by the way, in those show notes. So go uh, surf over there if you want to read more. Uh, Washington Post is evolving the bestseller list. It's been a complaint for indies uh, since day one, really. Bestseller lists often refuse to include sales uh, and sales results from sources such as Amazon.com, where ebook sales could skyrocket some lesser known and unknown authors uh, well past traditionally published giants. So the Washington Post is now the first to recognize this error uh, for what it is, and they're revamping their bestseller list to include data from, uh, not just from BookScan, which is where they've gotten their data in the past, but also from Amazon sales. So this is a game changer, in my opinion, at least as far as the usefulness of bestseller lists goes, (laughs) which is somewhat debatable. Um, (laughs) But the uh, the reality here, and the thing that's that's quite cool, um, we have been asking for this for forever, for a decade, um, and I think what's going to happen is we may see some indie authors emerge as a result of this and topple some of the long-standing uh, dominant authors and books on those bestseller lists, especially as other I think other publications are going to start doing this. It's kind of hard to avoid at this point. But, um, you know, right now there are some holdouts. New York Times bestseller list, for example. Um, But as the Washington Post kind of opens this up, we may see those other publications start to include these results as well. And what's very interesting is, uh, you know, like I said, I think we can see some authors emerge. We've got people on the bestseller list. We've got books on the bestseller list that have been there my entire lifetime. (laughs) I'm 45 years old. So, for my entire lifetime, there are certain books that have never left the bestsellers list, and um, I think that is uh, ridiculous. I don't. I think that that um, is proof of the uh, of the uh, you know. I don't want to say they're useless, but it's proof that they not they're not as useful as a uh, marketing tool for these publishers. I mean, it is sort of a point of pride to be able to say, I was on the New York Times bestseller list for 45 years or for three years or for six months or whatever. Um, so well, I think that this is an opportunity for uh, new blood, fresh blood. I think we may see uh, even some of the greats get toppled off of the off of their ranks on those lists. Um, when you can sell as many copies of, uh, sell as many copies and make more money uh, for your books as a Stephen King or a James Patterson or someone along those lines. Um, that's that is the true game changer. Um, now it remains to be seen whether or not readers are actually using these lists to make their purchasing decisions. But you know, it doesn't hurt, and uh, it is kind of interesting to see how this is evolving. So. I'm going to be watching that. I think you'll probably be watching that, too. Uh, find a link to that, of course, in the show notes of this episode. Uh, it's a very short article unless you have a subscription to um, uh, Publisher's Lunch, but um, you can get the gist of it uh, through that that piece, and uh, I'll be watching this further as time goes by. Um, 
Bookmarks could be the rotten tomatoes of literature. Now, LitHub, Literary Hub, uh, they're launching a new section for their site called Bookmarks, and this is aimed at helping readers, quote, find books they will love by giving them access to the critical discourse that is an essential part of our ecosystem. Um, <laughs> that's, that's from John, Fre uh, John Freeman. He's LitHub's executive editor. Uh, and in other words, Bookmarks will aggregate reviews from all over the web and crowdsource readers to improve on recommendations. Uh, will this help new and unknown authors reach a new audience? Maybe. <laughs> um, maybe. It's, now ask yourself how many films you want to see because you discovered them on Rotten Tomatoes and saw that they had a good review. And purely for that reason. Now, a lot of people use sites like this to go verify that the purchase they're about to make is, is at least a, a decent one. Um, <clears throat> I will check. I don't often check reviews, frankly, before I buy anything. But um, I do peruse them from time to time if I'm, if I'm deciding between two things. If I'm going to pick up a book uh, and I, uh, I definitely want something to read, but it's a choice between the latest um, Brad Thor and the latest... Um, I don't know, James Rollins. Um, I might look at the reviews. I don't know. Probably not, though. I'll probably just buy both books, and you probably will, too. But if you're going to go see a movie, uh, and you have to choose between a set of movies, you might look through reviews to just, just to determine which ones you want to eliminate from the list. And that might be a similar thing for um, for this stuff. Um I don't know. You let me know. Uh, please uh, send me an email. Uh, pop, you know, pop over to wordslingerpodcast.com and click the contact button or leave me a comment or whatever you're comfortable with. Just let me know what you think of this as a, uh, as a, um, I don't know, an option for, uh, for authors and improving on their uh, sales and that sort of thing. I, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know that it matters. <laughs> I believe Amazon reviews matter. I believe these could matter if they catch on, uh, but for, for now, I'm not so certain. So, um, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Wordslinger Podcast. And, of course, we've if you want to support the show, we've got some options for you. Uh, my first and favorite, and this is the one I would, if you don't do anything else, <laughs> go do this. Um, check out my books. Go to uh, kevintumlinson.com slash books. Uh, and you can find my latest releases. Uh, right now, I, I just released uh, The Girl in the Mayan Tomb, so you can go check that book out. Something interesting. You're going to... Yeah, okay, I am, uh, I'm working on this. I'm, I just finished rewriting and re-editing my first Dan Kotler book, The Coelho Medallion. And, or you, you may recognize it as The Coelho Medallion. Uh, <laughs> either's fine. Um, but if you... Uh, if you read that book previously, you probably noticed there were some there were some goofs in there. There's some typos, of course, um, some things that I probably should have caught, uh, and I had editors that didn't catch them. So you know, I've improved on that stuff. Um, but there was also a plot hole in that book that really bugged me, and only about four people ever wrote to tell me they found it. That doesn't mean they're the only four people who found it. It just means that they're the four who were kind enough to let me know. Uh, instead of uh, tanking me in a review or tossing the book in the trash or whatever, um, but I have now fixed that review or that uh, that uh, plot hole. I also uh, took out a scene in the opening prologue that just did not belong there. 
uh, and improved the overall cohesiveness of the of the book. I just improved the book. I, 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 I spent the time to make that book better. Now, that's part of what I call iterative publishing. I'm going to do a, I think I'm going to do a future episode on this idea. Uh, and it's one I think uh, is going to, it's going to be uh, controversial. <laughs> but I believe in improving the work as you go. So, um, anyway, check that out. Go to kevintumelson.com slash books. Okay, that's a little sidebar there. You can also support the show, of course, by supporting our sponsors. Uh, Draft to Digital, of course, uh, as their director of marketing. I am slightly biased, but Draft to Digital will allow you to convert, publish, and distribute your book worldwide with support the whole way. What better deal could you ask for? It doesn't cost you a thing. Just go over to drafttodigital.com. Now, if you if you want to help me out, go to drafttodigital.com slash wordslinger, and that will uh, when you sign up for an account, I will actually get a little kickback every time you sell a book and it doesn't come out of your pocket at all so you can go uh you can go check that out throw a little money my way that way and uh basically by making sales and uh you know let me know if you do it if you pop in sign up for an account through my uh my affiliate link let me know i'm just now thinking of this right now but i think what i'm going to do for you is figure out a way to uh to help you with those sales even if it's just promoting you from time to time uh, on social media or maybe in an email or something like that, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that for you. <laughs> so let me know. Um, and uh, of course, um, you can support this show on Patreon. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/WordslingerPodcast, I am still working on the uh, behind the scenes stuff. I know. I know, but it is worth it. Um, uh, it's going to be worth the wait. I got some cool stuff. It just takes time, folks. It's a lot of work to do this stuff. <laughs> and I'm doing a lot of work already. Um, anyway, that's it. I'm not going to bore you with any more stuff. Thank you so much for, for being a uh, listener, uh, for, for tuning in. Uh, I hope you're enjoying these. I, I, I know I am. I get a lot out of this stuff. Uh, say hello to Michael Iran for me. Hop on over to his website. Tell him you heard, heard his interview on this show. Uh, and, uh, and of course, if you're on, uh, if you go find us on iTunes, leave, leave this, leave this show a review, rate and review it on iTunes. Uh, just, just tell me what it is you like about the show. What are you getting out of it? Um, you know, that stuff is very helpful for, for, uh, increasing the discoverability of the show. So I appreciate it. Uh, anyway, we're going to roll on out of here. We're coming up on an hour. So, Thank you so much for being a part of my weekly experience. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. Take care of yourselves out there, and I'll see you all next week.